Hello and welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Hello, that was me trying to find a different way of saying hello and welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Nick Briggs. And my name is Joe Smith. <gasps> How exciting, I'm back again. <sighs> It's beyond exciting. Big Finish, in case you didn't know, are the purveyors of fine audiobooks and audio drama, such as, he said, squinting through his very focals, Doctor Who, Blake Seven, Torchwood, Bernie Summerfield, Sherlock Holmes, The Avengers, Quatermass. Quatermass? We're not doing Quatermass. We're not doing Quatermass. That's the, that's the list for later on, you fool. We like to do Quatermass. I, I literally can't read this because of my glasses. Oh, oh, that's better. Countermeasures. Countermeasures. The Omega Factor. Survivors, Iris Wildtime, The Confessions of Dorian Gray. 2000 AD, Dark Shadows, Terror Hawks, Night of the Triffids, Pathfinder Legends, Vienna, The Sigmund Freud Files. Oh, yeah, I've never mentioned that before. <laughs> and, of course, The Prisoner. Is there anything I missed there? Uh, graceless. Graceless. Everyone loves a bit of Graceless. They do, they do. So, uh, coming up on this podcast. <laughs> Very shortly, the news from Joe Smith. Then we move on to listeners' emails. And then our star interview with Richard Earle, who plays Dr. Watson in our Sherlock Holmes range. And um, this is a little bit of a Holmes-themed podcast, um, but more of that later. Uh, Then we will have a random recommended release from the Big Finish archives. Yes, quite random but certainly recommended. And then a roundup of the latest releases. Then after a tease of what's coming up next time, we begin a nine-part serialisation of Sherlock Holmes' The Hound of the Baskervilles. Just a little bit of Holmes for you to enjoy with our podcast over the next few weeks. A nice bite-sized chunkettes. Oh, jolly good. A bite-sized <laughs> chunkette to add to our minisodes and the other one we had, which I forgot. It was, yeah. What was it called? It was like a, a fletch... A, a mignette was it <laughs> a bijou reporter report that That's was the one uh, and also the other reason for having uh, Sherlock Holmes is because uh, nothing seems to have happened with Moonbase utensil not yet anyway no. we went into all the spoons are on strike so <laughs> and when you type Moonbase it, it autocorrects to Moonrise so maybe that's mm. the problem Maybe. <laughs> uh, and firstly, before the news, I'd like to apologise for the lack of interviews from the Maryland Doctor Who convention regeneration. Um, mm. Because I did promise, I said, and I will promise to have at least one interview. And I just didn't have time because oh, I was so I was so busy. They worked me very hard and quite well, rightly so. And I had a fantastic time. Just endless, wasn't it? Yeah, it was lots of lots of all that. So there you go. So very, very sorry about that. So now the news. <laughs> So our first a major piece of news this week is that we've just announced the new names for the fourth Doctor Adventures Series 6, which will be released in 2017, and we are whopping nine releases long. The longest fourth Doctor Adventure series we've ever had. How did that happen? We wrote too many scripts and we recorded too many without stopping. Was it an accident? I can only imagine so. We, we just keep going and going and going. I directed them what seems like years ago now. Before you even know my name. Yeah. Oh, I knew your name. I knew my name. I wasn't even here when half of these were made, so it's still a surprise to me. How wow. exciting. So we'll start off with... So in January 2017, the series begins with The Beast of Kravenos. Or Cravenos. No, Kravenos. Kravenos. I got it right the first time. By <laughs> Justin Richards. Uh, this sees the return of Jago and Lightfoot to the fourth oh. Doctor Adventures after they were in the Justice of Jalzar in series two. Jalxar. Jalxar. Well, I got one right. We'll, we'll see. That's that's one <laughs> one for one so far. Uh, so, so they're going to be back with Conrad Asquith as Inspector Quick. Exciting. Uh, and K9 is going to be the star of the new Regency Theatre. And Ed Stoppard from Upstairs Downstairs is going to be playing the knave who is robbing and that I've written so <laughs> that's good robbing and that and then in February 2017 we're going to have the eternal battle by uh, Mark Wright and Kevin Scott mm. which is going to be all about Sontarans fighting humans on a vicious alien world I remember it well it is good isn't it it's very uncomfortable that's the one where all the special features are ruined because I didn't record it correctly oh is that yeah, the, one? the one yeah, yeah. So if we had don't worry we got, some, we got some other interviews <laughs> we got a professional to do it the next time 
Uh, but of course, uh, Dan Starkey will be starring in it alongside John Banks, the legendary John Banks. As he Does that legendary means he doesn't actually exist? Absolutely. So he can just be anyone we want him to be. He's great. Like all good actors. Uh, Very good. That's great. Then in March 2017, we have The Silent Scream by James Goss. He doesn't normally scream silently, so that's no, quite no, a twist. Quite, yeah, uh, this quite one, a discipline for him. It's quite, <laughs> quite, quite interesting. Isn't it? This is all about uh, movie stars in in Hollywood in the 1930s, 1920s, 1920s. This one's all about decade out. It's all about silent movie stars coming yeah. into. Shh! Don't reveal too much. No, no, no it's, it's it's there. It's all right. It's in my it's, note. It's, it's okay. okay. Um, in fact, Pamela Salem is playing yes. a former silent movie star called Loretta Waldorf. Yeah. Alec Newman is in it, and yeah. now it's going to be monstrous silhouettes on the prowl. Monstrous what? Monstrous silhouettes. Oh right, so you what know what you said. Well, no one knows what I say. <laughs> well, unfortunately, they can hear you because we're recording. This. Damn it! I've been <laughs> fooled again. All right, and then in um, April 2017, we're going to have the haunting of Malkin Place by Phil Ryan of Omega Factor fame and War Doctor Two. Um, that reminds me, I've got some bits of that to record with my son because there's some bits with children. Oh, is there really? Yeah, he's, wow. Yeah. He's been asking about that recently. Oh, fantastic. Daddy, when are we doing the Doctor Who? You can do it on your holiday, can't yeah, you, Fix? So that'll be a good distraction. Um, and this one's all about a spiritualist called Talbot who is investigating ghostly apparitions. And Talbot is only played by Simon Jones from only. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. And also, Denise Black is in it as Mrs. Mountford. After and she was in Damaged Goods, I she think was. she was. Yeah, yeah that's that's nice. much. then we're gonna have Subterranea by Jonathan Morris, which is a, about a massive drill on an alien world which is all steampunk. And there's monsters called the Silex in it, so there's yeah. a lot of digging and a lot of badges and things. It's <laughs> Oh moles! And moles. Are they? I think they're badgers. Are they badgers? Like badgery mole. We'll call them badgery mole things. Okay. Not the side decks, though. They're, they're they're scary and awful. Yeah. And then pro- probably arguably most exciting uh, by Andrew Smith, we have the Movellan Grave, which is all about the disco robots from Destiny, the Daleks coming back and killing people on Earth. Disco robots. <laughs> well, I don't know how else to describe them. But. The, the cool, implacable enemy robots, I think, is what you were well, trying we'll, to say. We'll go with that, with the awesome, you know, we've got time for their beads the beaded and their hair. hair yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're going to be back. And then it all finishes off with a two, two, two-part adventures called The uh, Skin of the Sleek and The Thief Who Stole Time mm. by Mark Platt. And it's all set on a planet called Thundra, which has got an ocean made of jelly. So if you walk on it, you're okay, but if you stop, you sink. And we also meet Satya who is Romana's best friend from the Time Lord Academy, who's come there for mysterious reasons. Very exciting. Yes, I didn't direct that one, so I don't know much about it. Well, I think the interesting thing is, I I believe, if I can remember correctly, this is the first fourth Doctor Ventures to end with a completely original villain. So there's no returning monster this time, which is a bit of a shock, you know, so a bit different to our normal fare. So that should be good. Original villains. Anyway, I think that's the longest news item ever that we've had on a podcast. Absolutely. And to make anything more exciting, anything more exciting, there's going to be another Tom Baker announcement on Wednesday. Ooh, Mm. we have to wait for that. That's going to be fun. And that is the news, really, for this That's week. the whole that, news. That's it. There's nothing we, else. Because we've just had lots of... Uh, well, we have a new... We're going to have a new um, listener's title that's come out as well, which is... Yes, Grand Theft Cosmos, which is one of your favourites. It it's is. Red, it's really one of my favourites. I absolutely adore it. Okay. I don't. I didn't direct it or anything, did I? No, no, but no I think, no. You, I just, think you just naturally just, like somebody else's work. I know. You know oh, what, a, what a novelty that will be. I do um, love it. It's, it's by Eddie Robson, and it's just a real corker. And, of course, we've chosen the Grand Theft Cosmos because Sheridan Smith is returning to Big Finish this week, or this month even, it won't be this week, in a new short trip adventure called The Curse of the Fugue. Lucy wiped her hands on her apron, took the heavy receiver and lifted it to her ear. Oh, ignore Matt, he's only assistant manager she said, digging him in the ribs as he departed. So, where in the universe have you been for two weeks, she demanded. Good to have her back, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. 
hopefully it can happen again wouldn't that be again. lovely and what, so, I re- what I'm really loving about that sounds a bit weird the way it's, I it's a little bit, a little, a little bit stalky that's alright <laughs> but, no. but what I really love about the short trips is as we speak right now yes. um, good old Ian Atkins who works in the Big Finish office and is the producer of short trips indeed he's often and he'll be talking to this podcast soon we will be yes we'll have to get him but of course he's, he's recording with too many famous and secret people including one right now which is you know I'm not, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to say that it's bigger than Sheridan Smith but it's pretty pretty cool so it is yeah it is worked out and it won't be too long before we'll be able to hear the story either so keep stay tuned well let's see if um, in a future podcast we can get some information out of him good so that was the news Time for some listeners' emails. Time for some listeners' emails. Let's, do it. Let's pick up the first one. Uh, this is from... On a, good old-fashioned paper. Good old-fashioned paper. And on that computer, we... Stuff. And this is all paper, so we can have a nice rustle. <laughs> Very good yeah, sound effects work there, Joe. So this is from Mr. Albert Wesker. But thinking about it, it's probably not from somebody called Albert Wesker, because Albert Wesker is a villain in Resident Evil. Is he? Yeah, so I'm guessing that it's a pseudonym. But if it's not, well done on having the brilliant name. I think name it's Albert. entirely possible. It is, I, it is. You see, I thought of Arnold Wesker, who's a famous playwright. Oh, okay. That just shows I the difference between you and me. You it do plays, I do video games. That's great. <laughs> Never mind. In any case, uh, Albert says, um, I have a few questions and just general views I wanted to share. Okay, you, shoot. Um, say, with the recent New Who license, have you considered getting Georgia Tennant? Uh, or Georgia Moffat, as the stage name is, to reprise her role as Jenny, the Doctor's daughter. Uh, he says, I know the Doctor's daughter wasn't the highlight of a ter- the Tenant era. I disagree. I think that's a good that's one. A bit of a side yeah, swipe yeah, there, yeah, isn't it? It's a bit nasty. I like, I like the Hath as well. They're pretty cool. Yes. Uh, but I think the character has a lot of potential for a spin-off. And it would obviously be really fun to see her meeting the Fifth Doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that could work. Peter Davison, I get it. Well, my response to that, is it time for me to respond to that? I think so, yes. Um, Is, uh, I certainly would never rule that out. It's Mm. a good idea. It is a good idea. Yeah, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) Just imagine. No, yeah, stay tuned. Just imagine is is us saying no politely. Is it not always? Maybe it's just just when you say it to me, you know, when I ask for a pay rise, like, yeah, just imagine, just imagine. I, I am, yeah. Like I have anything to do with your pay. <laughs> that is true, that is true. Anyway, the next one says, I know that John Hurt is the war doctor and his tenure is set during the Time War. But I re- what I'd really like to see is uh, John's doctor in a sort of Victorian horror story, like a Chimes of Midnight type story. That would be amazing. And who cares about canon if you can create a really good story? Which I, I agree with that. Well, anyway, the Time War takes place throughout eternity, so there's no reason to say that he couldn't end up on Victorian Earth. Yeah, hey, absolutely. So, yeah, that, you know, I'd never rule that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, no plans currently, but. Uh, um, since Christopher Eccleston isn't involved in a big finish yet, I like that. I like yes, the, I like the optimism yeah, of that, that word. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I would love to see Companion Chronicles of his Doctor, uh, possibly with John Barrowman or Joan Joyner, who played Linda with a wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, or how well, she about- was lovely, by the way, because, you know, I worked with her on set. I, yeah, I've got we- video footage of her doing that stunt where she's where she's killed. Yeah. You know, and she's sort of looking at my camera and sort of making funny faces. Yeah, yeah. No, she, she was great, actually. I, I, she's brilliant, I think she yeah. was a great character. But, um, but yeah. I mean, we, we, we sort of answered, would there be new series Companion Chronicles oh, previously? And with a, be- with the, you know, uh, yeah, there, there are possibilities there. We'll let you know. Nice idea. Um, he said, I'd also love to see David Morrissey back as either a doctor in an unbound audio, which he says is a range that's been sadly discontinued, but that isn't true anymore because there's a new set coming out in August, isn't there? For Benny Summerfield. Oh, I see what yeah, you mean. Sorry, an yeah. unbound doctor. An unbound. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, or Jackson Lake meeting Jago Lightfoot, uh-huh. which would be, yeah, that would be pretty special, to be fair. That's, I did, we hadn't thought of either of those things, but, um, hmm, thank you. I'll <laughs> That's good, just write that down. And, <laughs> and then the, the same again for Martha Jones and the Tenth Doctor. It's like, 
she's so busy though isn't she yeah Girl, I don't Freema. think I don't think Freema's uh, into doing anything to do with Doctor Who at the moment yeah but she's very good is it Sense8 she's in on Netflix that's right check I've, that out that yeah. is fantastic yeah that's your opinion ooh I don't <laughs> I watched know. the first 10 minutes of it and okay. got really well, bored of it it's no Jessica Jones but, yeah. it, but it's, it's maybe I right. should give it another go yeah why not yeah, it's, you want her day you don't want to it's better than talking to your family a brilliant yeah absolutely she'd be great in anything she was in especially if she was in Big Finish it's quite it's quite adult, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah oh, uh, oh yeah. As, as with most things we talk about in this rude. podcast, not worth, not good for children. No, but, you know, the children have all gone outside by now. Anyway, this is <laughs> rambling. And then finally, and pro- possibly the email we get more of this question than any other question to this podcast is: Would you consider bringing back Derek Jacobi as the master for Adventures in the Time War? Well, of course we'd consider it. It's never too far from our minds. So, yeah, yeah. I hope something like that could happen one day. Absolutely. How about that? That's, even, that's more than a just imagine, isn't that's it? That's very awesome. Okay, the next email. Next email is from uh, Kai McNamee. I hope I pronounced your surname right, Kai. But we'll didn't, just sound, didn't sound like it to didn't me. Didn't sound like it. Well, you can just judge me and we can get an angry letter. Somebody did write on a, on Facebook the other day that we pronounced their name wrong, but he spelled my name wrong. Oh, so that might have been deliberate revenge. Could have been, but uh, I, I still take the moral high ground of being an idiot. Uh, anyway. Of being an idiot. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Good job. Uh, Kai says... Um, first of all, can I draw your attention to something that I feel hasn't been given enough exposure? Oh. Either one. Is it you, Joe? <laughs> well, I know. I give plenty of people all the exposure they want. I don't know what that means, no, but move on swiftly. It's, it's, it's good. You know, you're, you're like this. So he says, either one thoroughly enjoyed your reimagining of the prisoner. Oh. And can't for the life I'm, of me. I'm already on the side of this email. Yeah. And can't for the life of me understand why its release hasn't been given adequate attention on the Big Finish podcast. <laughs> I think this might be turning oh, against us as we're going down I think there's a little bit of yeah. irony going nor on. do I understand why the excellent theme music for the series hasn't been exposed to Big Finish's listenership to a greater degree <laughs> in all serious though I've been more than happy with the Finish's uh, product of Series 1 and can't wait for re the Series 2 he has proper buttered us up there because I yeah. genuinely thought he was being nice and then it's only halfway through reading the letter he's having a joke though he's done alright but he's, he's good well you yeah, know thanks Kai yes. we t- we'll take your comments re- on board I remember reading that email and thinking oh Oh, you're all funny. Okay. He does, he does <laughs> continue. You Just, you know, let's quick burst of the theme tune now. Marvellous, marvellous, marvellous. The best theme tune ever. I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, Kai continues with some yeah. sensible decisions. As a massive, massive fan of Blake's uh, Big Finish's Blake Seven output, rather than Blake Seven's Big Finish output, <laughs> I was over weird. the moon to hear that you're continuing Blake Seven with another full cast series. Yes. Despite marking the conclusion of the Liberated Chronicles, I'm aware you can't give any details thus far. If you do, but can you just confirm whether you will be making a range to succeed the Liberated Chronicles? Or whether the full cast will be the sole big Blake 7 output henceforth? Um, I'm not sure because uh, the plans for Blake 7 are evolving. At the moment, there are plans for full cast adventures going forward. Um, But I don't know what other things are going to be planned. But, hmm, interesting because I think most people were crying out for the full cast things and and prefer them to the Liberator Chronicles. But the Liberator Chronicles have been done so well. Well done to David Richardson for inventing them. Now that the the last box sets in as well, it finishes off the story. So you can legitimately listen to all 12 of those box sets in order around the TV show and it all ties together very nicely uh, but we've done well we've done three times as many as those if we've done the full cast so it's a good chance now for the full cast to catch up and we'll have a lot of fun telling those stories you know big yeah. and brass stories it, sh- it should be good fun I think uh, so it, so the the whole Liberator Chronicles storyline is tied up with Capital and Punishment mm-hmm. the last two of in that box set absolutely okay. yeah mm-hmm. which is great and then Kai's final uh, statement or veiled threat or whatever <laughs> uh, for the announcement of the second Diary River Song series uh, it's going to involve both the sixth and seventh Doctors will future series of River Song give the character the opportunity to function in our own spin-off series without relying on the use of the Doctors uh, don't know anyway that was that was his Kai's question so that's thank you Kai for writing thank in thank you Kai us. that's all good okay so one final email is from Nikki Haring Summer 
<laughs> I'm definitely going to have fun. We're sorry, Let's Nikki. Give this here. Just you have a read. I'm not going to read it out. Yeah, it's not that easy, is yeah, it? Yeah, I can't remember. Okay, that. yeah. Nikki, Nikki Haringsma. 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 Well, it's a fantastic name, well, Nikki. We're going to use it for a monster. It'll be great. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you're not a monster, Nikki. You're not a Nikki. You're not a Nikki. You're not a Nikki monster. Oh, anyway. anyway, get on with the email. Nikki says, "Hi, Nick. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about Iris Wildtam on the podcast, oh. uh, or maybe I wasn't paying attention. So Pay I attention, like, Nikki. <laughs> so I like to talk about her stories for a bit. I tremendously enjoyed the Wildtam related box set." The unexpected return of Captain Turner all the way from an obscure 1998 short story has made me really excited about this release from the moment it was announced. The final story in the box set, Looking for a Friend by Paul Mars, was absolutely gorgeous and still one of my all-time favourite Irish stories. I hope we'll get more Irish wild time from Big Finish at some point. And then she says, on an unrelated note, while I don't have any wild Paul Sprague moments to share, I do want to say that he's one of the kindest people I'd, I've ever talked to. Whenever we email back and forth about CD orders or, or website issues, I could tell he was, I was talking to a truly amazing guy. He will be part of Big Finish Forever. You're oh. absolutely right, Nikki. Thanks for that. And thanks for your thoughts on Iris Wildtime. I'm not sure what the future is, but uh, I hope we can do some more. When a bus just drives through a studio wall, <laughs> Katie Manning comes off. <laughs> ding, <good>. ding. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Katie. We've still got Katie Manning's glasses here from when she left them when she was doing some signing. Oh, did we really? Yeah, when I was looking for a USB lead yesterday, we found uh, there's a box over there and in it, as well as some old leads... The Katie Manning's glasses. Oh. Now, knowing how blind she is without her glasses, <laughs> she walked out of this office <laughs> without them. I don't know whether she walked straight into a lamppost. How long ago was this? As oh, well? this was a couple of years ago. Our studio is next to a canal, so she could have gone right in there. <laughs> yeah, no, but she was here. Oh. So she could have walked into the railway line. She could have done, or, or under the bridge, you know, anywhere, yeah. or even just get lost in the newsagents. <laughs> one day we'll find Katie and then we can record some more stories I've seen her since That's so it's fine it's fine but yeah it's a genuine legitimate concern well there we are those were the emails thank you Joe I think we nearly got those right um, <laughs> time now for an interview with uh, Richard Earle who plays Dr Watson in Sherlock Holmes Yes, I'm here with Richard Earle. Hello, Richard. Hello, Richard. <laughs> Richard's not very good at doing interviews, and he'll probably just repeat everything I say. Yes. He's yes. now going quiet. That's really yes. good. Uh, Richard plays... What do you play uh, for Big Finish? Uh, Dr. Watson in the Sherlock Holmes series. Yeah. I'm very lucky to be doing it. And we're in the middle of doing it now, sort of, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We're um, three days in of a four-day recording. Um, pretty much, Ken's pretty good at going through chronologically, isn't he? Yes. But um, because you're all so famous now and you have such big names coming in, sometimes you have to mix and match the days with the availability of the big, the big stars. Yeah. Whereas I, I just hang around your house, uh, and sometimes you let me in, uh, and then, and then sometimes I catch you on the way to your car. Say, Are we going to do the Sherlock Holmes recordings today, Uncle Nick? And you go, No, get off. <laughs> Don't touch me. Yeah. Yeah. I said, okay, I'll be in your garden. I said, yes, all right, you stay in my garden. I've just remembered this is what you do in interviews, is it? You just make stuff up. That's not made up. (laughs) You know very well I live in your garden. (laughs) The truth of the matter is... I'm the fairy at the bottom of the garden. (laughs) The truth of the matter is that we try to book you and you're always too busy. No, not at all. You're always working. I know, I know. You are always working. But then as soon as you've failed to book me, all the work dries up. Oh, well. How are we to know that? It's like the word gets out. (laughs) But, uh, yes, I I look busy on paper because of... Because of the work you're doing. Like at the moment now, we're currently having to rehearse. Yeah. uh, That counts as busy. Another play, and then go back to to doing that. But, but honestly, for the rest of the year, nothing. I'm just... You say that, but then you get a tour or some rep or a panto. I make these things up. (laughs) If you actually Google these productions that I pretend to be in, they don't exist. You mean we've cancelled Sherlock Holmes recordings for things that you've made up? No, you've cancelled Sherlock Holmes recordings for the good of art. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I said, no, uh, we'll wait until Richard Earle isn't available. Then we'll get a proper actor in. And then we'll just have to tell Richard, oh, sorry, you weren't available. 
none of this is true. It's, it's, all, just, it's all true. It's not true because we we have to wait so often to wait until Richard is available. Oh. That's the first step we take. Ken says, "When are we going to record this?" I said, "Well, we've got to find some availability when you know when Richard's around." Yeah, yeah. And it's always like oh, he can't do it for three months. Oh, yeah. God, right. I'll have to wait. So we could have recorded this back it's in September. It's just because I, I, it takes me that long to regain consciousness. <laughs> sometimes. So anyway. Um, uh, I suppose for I people... I notice our tummies are rumbling, which has been a constant factor oh, in these it? recordings. And what is the solution? Uh, well, a lovely pun, young Briggs, because the, the solution is hot water. Yeah. To stop your tummy rumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Not what? food, like a, a medically qualified person would say, but hot water. Yeah, because after you have food your stomach rumbles in oh, does it really in thanksgiving you know? oh that's nice <laughs> oh, oh that's nice i didn't mm. know that well that's what mine does anyway right all, the, do- you all the doctors listening to this thing, he's got severe problems yeah well we we, um, we know that we know that <laughs> the truth without <laughs> anyway um for those people who haven't listened to our charlotte holmes place how long have we been doing them we did the first one in 2009 was it that's quite a while yeah was that's, it, does that sound about right that sounds about right Holmes and the Ripper mm-hmm. uh, dear old Brian Clemens script yeah um, so Watson has gone through several writers definitely in terms of, and I've noticed that in terms of I mean my performances have gone from awful to bloody awful to just <laughs> oh my god what's he doing now um, but, but your modesty is quite crushing. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite false. <laughs> um, uh, so it's been a very interesting journey as Watson going for. Oh God, I hope I'm not talking as if it's over. But um, uh, it's been very interesting seeing the way different writers have, because everybody writes Holmes. I notice in a very similar way, whereas Watson, you, 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 it's, a, it's a bit like the Doctor Who assistants, isn't it? You can go in any way you want, really, hmm? within within reason as to whether they know as much, whether they're as interested, whether, you know, what their own um, strengths and weaknesses are. But for the last few releases, this is the third box set we're doing by Jonathan Barnes, and then he did The Perfidious Mariner before that. Yeah. Do you detect a consistency in Jonathan's approach? Yes, yes. And uh, what's very nice, I mean, all the writers that have have written have been uh, a joy to do. What is interesting about Jonathan is, I don't know if it's just because I know you. I mean, I've never seen you in your underwear, but I feel as if I have. And therefore, I feel our relationship because you live is, in my garden. Exactly. I live in your garden. And th- those curtains yeah. aren't as thick as you, as you and Steph think they are. But um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. The, what's interesting, I think, about the way Jonathan tackles it is it's very much, I, I hope, a believable relationship uh, we haven't recorded certain scenes at the moment okay it's so all that bit where uh, th- where the word love yeah. is used and almost used yeah. which is probably about as close to me kissing you <laughs> no. I, just, I just i'm looking into your eyes yeah uh, well, it's a, a bit about uh, the underwear uh, again what, <laughs> what's that got to do with anything it's, it's our relationship it's because I, as actors I, i've known you for quite some time now. yes um and but i've never seen me in my underwear no 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 that's because we've but, never done theater together guess i've never seen him act either to be honest <laughs> but um uh is that a similar thing i, I think uh, the relationship between us has hmm. has grown and you know when i've seen your name come up on my phone I, i've gone from oh, God, oh, you know, uh, there's a little change of intonation um, as that's as that's gone on. I mean, there were times when you know I saw your name flash up on there, and I'd just run and hide. Yeah, uh, which is difficult to do at Finsbury Park railway station, but it is doable, even though everything's in straight lines. Is that where you live, Finsbury yeah. Park railway station? When you throw me out, yes, because their garden is very similar oh, is uh, to yours. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the the relationship um, is is an interesting um <laughs> far more interesting than this sentence um I felt, I, you interrupted i was going to say something really good and uh, we might never know get it now no. you interrupted in a lovely way but um thanks thanks no, not um but i, I yeah it, it's uh, that's right that's what i was trying oh, i'm waffling on but um but you are allowed to say no no richard you're not waffling no okay, no that, Richard, was you're not that was a gap that was a gap that was a silence <laughs> yeah um 
as our relationship has grown, yes, uh, I think also Jonathan has has latched onto that. And once I, it must be, I've never done writing, but I guess once you know who you're writing for, uh, <laughs> even though it's me, and you say, "Oh God, we are limited," uh, <laughs> never, uh, nevertheless, you still know. Oh, okay, th- this is how that relationship will. Yes, he does say that he writes for our speech patterns. He imagines oh, really? us saying it yeah. when he writes it. Yes. Well, that's surprising because when it comes to a chunk of Watson, I just can't speak at all. Well, he writes and for every... your speech patterns as he hears them when they're edited together. <laughs> <laughs> My speech impediments. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's that's what I really like about 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 our relationship as, as Holmes and Watson. It is a very very close one and sometimes I mean I could be kidding myself here but sometimes I get the impression that when other actors who aren't new to Big Finish but might be new to the the Sherlock Holmes uh, world of Big Finish um, you can tell that they sometimes when they're chatting at lunch that they say so you and Nick have done the you know there's almost like um, it is like a little double double act and oh yeah Hmm. yes we've, we've done that and you're very kind that you've um, I mean, you're you're brilliant, Holmes, and you could oh, have had any kind. Watson, and Watson could have changed. You know, there's no reason to keep the same, the same actor, but um, well, especially when you're unavailable. <laughs> but it's been a it's, it's been a real joy to 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 learn to to because I, I have done big finishes before, yeah. But this has been by far the most concentrated chunk. And you do you do still do other big finishes? You were just telling me you've just done a Bernie Summerfield. Bernie Summerfield, yes. What yes. were you playing, by the way? I was playing a soldier. You can't remember anything else about it. I can, it, I can. I, guess, um, I kept saying his name wrong. <laughs> well, you don't have um, to say your own name, do you? No, no. Galerio. 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 I think I kept calling it um, Galario. Oh. It's Galerio. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's an understandable mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas I can say what soon. Oh, no, I can't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, it's comedy, yes. comedy um, gold. Thing. It's not really, is it? <laughs> All right, bronze. <laughs> comedy bronze. Comedy, comedy gold leaf. Um, it's only that thin, and then underneath there's tragedy. Oh. Oh, um, no, I was, was going <laughs> to let that hang in the air. I just thought people might turn the podcast off and think that they thought, oh, my, play, my I, MP3 player's broken. I doubt anybody's still listening. <laughs> well, one last thing, just yep. in case they are listening. Yeah. Uh, can you tease people about uh, the judgment? No, it's not the judgment. It's, this is the sacrifice of yeah, Sherlock yeah. Holmes. Yeah. I don't even know which box set yeah. I'm doing. I was trapped in the past there. Because it's been, I've loved them all, but this has been my favourite script of them all. Yep. Tell us, tell the listener. T- t- tell them why it's your favourite script? No, t- no, tell them, tease them, make them want to buy it. Oh, I see. This is a podcast. <laughs> uh, no, ah, you see, I got confused. I thought this was on the set of yeah, CDs. No, this is no, a podcast. This is a podcast yeah. to get people to. Oh, well, well, if I'd known. Ah, well, no. The the really good thing about this is that from the last box set, um, where things things were sort of resolved, but not. That's a very American thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, that Jonathan has very bravely carried on the story. Yeah. Uh, all of those uh, problems he set himself at the end of the last one, uh, the judgment of Sherlock Holmes, are carrying on. It, it's a bit like a Ray Cooney farce where you see the whole thing solved before your very eyes in real time. Uh, Jonathan is, is well, we're not doing it in real time. Uh, there's no unity of place or time here. But uh, it's things get even tougher uh, for Holmes and indeed for Watson and you begin to see I would suggest Sherlock Holmes is one frailty which is his love and affection for Watson over and above pretty much everything else would you say that's the reason why near the end (laughs) of the entire box set it really kicks off it does yeah and are we also allowed to say (laughs) there is editing Uh, of course i can oh you can Uh, and are we also allowed to say that even at the end of this box set there are so many directions in which it can go including i'm i'm sorry to say (laughs) the potential um um what, what do you call it um 
the ending of uh, the Watson actor part uh, because of the the dishy new potential uh, assistant. Uh, yes, which, I noticed that it's Jonathan um, just setting himself up for more work. Yeah, which well, he's we, got he's got his usual glorious, which are almost a part of of his writing, aren't they? The, these um, mentions of other adventures that her, that Conan Doyle didn't know happened, yes. but which are ready to happen did, you, as soon as Mr. Hay Gallery gets his checkbook out. Yeah, you know. Well, did you hear me? Were you there when I was talking? There was one case I referred to: the elephantine butcher and the the silk cadaver, silk robed. Cadaver. Yeah. Silk. Silk robed. Silk robed cadaver. I couldn't get through that without laughing. That's Ken Bentley, folks, who's just walked in to tell yeah. us he needs to carry on recording. Uh, so we got to stop this. So just give us one last recommendation for why people should buy it. Because you're in it, Nick. <laughs> oh, and your Holmes is utterly <laughs> magnificent and should be well up there with certain other names who shall, on this podcast, remain nameless. Thank you. And the same goes for you too, Richard. I've already gone. I didn't hear any of that. And remember, the first of a nine-part serialisation of The Hound of the Baskervilles featuring Richard will be coming up at the end of this podcast. Time now for a random recommended release. Which is, this time, Joe, as if I didn't know... This time we're going to recommend Doctor Who, The One Doctor. The One Doctor. Yeah. This is just a favourite of mine. I I loved it when I listened to it. I remember um, all the discussions about what to call the fake TARDIS in it. It's basically the story of someone who's heard of the Doctor and is pretending to be the Doctor and he's saving planets, but he's doing it for money, I think, isn't he? <laughs> And uh, he, he claims to be the only Doctor. And it's written by Gareth Roberts and uh, Clayton Hickman, directed by Gary Russell. And it stars Christopher Biggins as the the um, the not real Doctor. I've got this. You can hear I'm looking at the CD now. Just, uh, I don't just think i the plastic off. And... Yeah. <laughs> what can I tell you about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it had Claire Buckfield in it as Sally Ann Stubbins, who was uh, the Banto Zane, who's the fake doctor, which is apparently it's meant to rhyme with Panto Dame, Banto Zane. Oh, okay, yeah. And, you know, Jason Hay-Gellery, our esteemed Lord of Master, has always wanted to bring Banto Zane back in, in his own story. It's never happened. Oh, we should do that. Yeah, maybe if Jason had more time on his hands, he could sort that out. That's true. He's too, he's too busy. <laughs> anyway, The One Doctor it is a very funny story. It also has, um, I think, Matt Lucas. I think he is. It? Yeah, yeah. Matt Lucas. It's sort of like a, the first of a, a, a series of Christmas, I guess, comedy stories, is it? Yeah, but it, I was going to say, it is funny, but it also has a very serious story to it. And it's oh, got absolutely. a very compelling storyline. I really, really enjoyed it. And let's have a listen to the trailer. Citizens of Genarios, you will listen. These readings? Well, the TARDIS is way off course. Way, way off course. We've drifted millennia into the far future. I have been sent to collect tribute. So, where exactly are we? The vulgar end of time. I must have the three greatest treasures of the Genarios system, or I will destroy you all. What's happened? We've only just arrived. We picked up a distress call. Oh, sorry. Wasted journey. Well, we've been saved. The Skelloids are vanquished. So what happened to these Skelloids? The Doctor sorted them out for us, didn't he? Did you say the Doctor? Doctor, Doctor, we've done so much for us. How can we ever repay you? I don't expect repayment. The work I do is reward in itself. Anyway, Sally Ann and I really must get back to the Stardis. Looks like you've already saved the day then. Beaten yourself to it. I somehow doubt it. I've never been to Junerios before. You don't reckon they've rumbled us? We ought to get out of here. And lose our chance of a hundred million credits. You're really rattled, aren't you? Yes. Because if I didn't save this planet from the evil Skelloids, who is the doctor that did? Bring me the tribute. The tribute, I say. What a plank! There you are, the one doctor still available 
on the Big Finish website. Yes. For just two ninety nine. There you go. A recommended jewel from the past. A jewel in our... Cra- Shall I shut up? Right. Okay. <laughs> and now, a roundup of the latest releases, Joe. Fantastic. So since our last podcast, we've... Um, well, we have scheduled currently one more release. But it might be coming out tomorrow instead, so sorry if it's not available. It is Torchwood Zone 10. Oh, that's brilliant, that. Have you yeah. heard it? I haven't heard it yet. I've it's got it really ready in my good. Yeah. It's really, really good. Tell us anything about yes, it. Yes, again, it's the return of uh, Noko Mori as Toshiko Sato, who, of course, started off in Doctor Who and then... Aliens of London. Aliens of London. She's one of the first. In fact, is is, is it not the the Tibbet trivia that she's the first person to record a scene for the new series of Doctor Who? I think that's right. She's the very first person to record her scene. Wow. So there you go. So now she's back. And this one, she's in Russia. Uh, She's been sent on a mission to find the mysterious signal in the Russian wastelands. And she also teams up with uh, the KVI, who are the Russian equivalent of Torchwood, who I found out today actually have appeared before in a book by David Llewellyn, who has written this story. So they're actually coming back again. <laughs> That'll be is, why they're in this. Exactly. Well, that's okay, but that's okay, yeah. because, I mean, that's what sort of the fun part about the Torchwood, um, because there isn't as much out there as Doctor Who. It all fits together completely perfectly, yeah. and it's all wonderful. So, well, And James Goss said to me, I think we've made a James Bond movie. And it does sound rather like that, yeah, actually. It so it's great. It is. Really fantastic music and uh, sound design. Brilliant acting. Great, great story. It really had me hooked. Mm. I love it. And it's also exciting that it, it carries on parts of the story that we're in, of like, I guess, the story arc that was in series one, but then it leads into something even bigger and more exciting, which is going to be very exciting, I think, if you've been listening to the series so far. And here's a trailer. It all started with that sound, broadcast from a point 62 miles above Siberia. A single pulse over and over again at exactly the same interval, never stopping for over 40 years. NASA always said it was something built by the Russians, a satellite of some sort. The Russians said it must be something built by NASA. It had many names over the years. The blip, the bloop, the squidge. In Russian, they simply call it pulse. I've been working on it for so long in my own time, trying to unravel it, find out what it meant. Then one night, I cracked it. A message that had been baffling the world for over four decades. Translate. Big finish. We love stories. So, uh, nothing else coming out this week? Uh, not, I've got I, mean, sh- I know we have an- enough coming out, so I'm yes, not complaining. Uh, well, this is the thing, because April is probably um, one of our busiest months of the year so far. What have we got coming out? We're going to have Terror Hawks Series 2 on its way. Uh, in fact, there's going to be a free episode of that. If you subscribe to the Big Finish newsletter, you can receive a code for a free episode to try it out. And what's wonderful about the second series of Terror Hawks is it's completely different into the first, in that it's very tongue-in-cheek, very silly, but also just a bit dark and a bit... It's just very It's cool. going to be brilliant. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's great. Uh, and I know that a lot of people, you know, uh, prefer the older um, Jerry Anderson series, but uh, this is... Um, it's worth listening to Terror Hawks just because of the audios being a very new and original thing it is it's so, very different to everything else big finishes have put yeah. out and if you love the original terrorhawks i think there's plenty for you in these terrorhawks audios as well but if you're not so fond of the original terrorhawks i think you're going to like these too but of course i would say that it sounds terribly promotional doesn't it mm. there you go so anyway that's uh, those are two of the latest releases sort of i know one of them's in the future <laughs> Time now to tell you what's in the next podcast. Uh, Dark Shadows producers Davy Darlington and possibly Joe Lidster, depending on how the Skype interview tonight goes, <laughs> if we can uh, find we'll, we'll be talking about uh, everything to do with Dark Shadows. If you haven't got into that yet, it's worth it. That's a train going past. It's a long train as well. It is. And during this train, it's time for us to say goodbye. 
Yeah, and remember that in a matter of mere seconds, part one of The Hound of the Baskervilles, adapted by Richard Dinnick and starring uh, uh, me and uh, Richard Earle, interviewed earlier this very podcast, and a bunch of great big Finnish regulars on fine form, uh, even though I say so myself. So, yeah, Joe, it's been a great pleasure once more, and um, once again, I should say. And uh, so, bye. Bye. Goodbye. Sherlock Holmes, who was usually very late in the mornings, save upon those not infrequent occasions when he was up all night, was seated at the breakfast table. I stood upon the hearthrug and picked up the stick which a visitor had left behind the night before when we had been out. The stick was a fine, thick piece of wood, bulbous-headed, of the sort known as a Penang lawyer. Just under the head was a broad silver band, nearly an inch across. To James Mortimer, M.R.C.S., from his friends of the C.C.H., was engraved upon it, with the date, 1884. Well, Watson, you know my methods. What do you make of it? Hmm. I think Dr. Mortimer is a successful elderly medical man. The thick iron for all is worn down, so it is evident that he has done a great amount of walking with it. This friends of the C.C.H., I should guess to be the something-something Hunt, to whose members he has possibly given some surgical assistance. Really, Watson, you excel yourself. It may be that you are not yourself luminous, but you are a conductor of light. Some people without possessing genius have a remarkable power of stimulating it. I confess, my dear fellow, that I'm very much in your debt. He had never said as much before, and I must admit that his words gave me keen pleasure, for I had often been piqued by his indifference to my admiration. He now took the stick from my hands and examined it in the light from the window. Interesting, though, elementary. I would suggest that a presentation to a doctor is more likely to come from a hospital than from a hunt, and that the initials CC therefore stand for Charing Cross. Such a presentation would be made when Dr. Mortimer withdrew from the service of the hospital in order to start in practice for himself in the country. Uh, no one on staff would drift into the country, so he could only have been a house surgeon or physician, little more than a senior student. So your grave middle-aged family practitioner vanishes into thin air, my dear Watson, and there emerges a young fellow under 30, amiable, unambitious, absent-minded, and the possessor of a favourite dog which has been in the habit of carrying this stick behind his mast, and yes, by Jove, it is a curly-haired spaniel. My dear fellow, how can you possibly be so sure of that? For the very simple reason that I see from this window the dog himself on our doorstep. And there is the ring of its owner. Our visitor was a very tall, thin man with a long nose like a beak, which jutted out between two keen grey eyes, which, as he entered, fell upon the stick in Holmes's hand. I am so very glad. I would not lose that stick for the world. A presentation, I see, from Charing Cross Hospital? From one or two friends there on the occasion of my marriage. Sherlock Holmes waved our strange visitor into a chair. Now, sir, what is your purpose in paying me the honour to call here last night and again today? 
I came to you, Mr. Holmes, because I am suddenly confronted with a most serious and extraordinary problem. I have in my pocket an old manuscript. It is a family paper committed to my care by Sir Charles Baskerville, whose sudden and tragic death some three months ago created so much excitement in Devonshire. He was a strong-minded man, sir, shrewd, practical, and as unimaginative as I am myself. Yet he took this document very seriously, and his mind was prepared for just such an end as did eventually overtake him. It is a statement of a certain legend which runs in the Baskerville family. Holmes leaned back in his chair, placed his fingertips together, and closed his eyes with an air of resignation. Dr. Mortimer turned the manuscript to the light and read the following curious old-world narrative. Of the origin of the Hound of the Baskervilles there have been many statements, yet as I come in a direct line from Hugo Baskerville, I have set it down with all belief that it occurred even as is here set forth. In the time of the Great Rebellion, this manor of Baskerville was held by Hugo of that name, a most wild, profane and godless man. It chanced that he came to love the daughter of a yeoman who held lands nearby, but the young maiden, being discreet and of good repute, would ever avoid him, for she feared his evil name. One Michaelmas, this Hugo, with his idle and wicked companions, stole down upon the farm and carried off the maiden, brought her to the hall and placed her in an upper chamber. Thereafter, Hugo and his friends sat down to a long carouse, as was their nightly custom. Now the poor lass, in the stress of her fear, did that which might have daunted the bravest or most active man, for by the aid of the growth of ivy she came down from under the eaves and so homeward across the moor. When Hugo found the cage empty and the bird escaped, he became as one that hath a devil, and cried aloud that he would render his body and soul to the powers of evil if he might but overtake the wench. Hugo ran from the house, crying to his grooms that they should saddle his mare and unkennel the pack. Giving the hounds a kerchief of the maids, he rode off in full cry. At length, the other revellers took horse and started in pursuit, but soon their skins turned cold, for they came a-galloping across the moor, the black mare dabbled with white froth, trailing its bridle and with an empty saddle. The revellers then came upon the hounds, whimpering in a cluster at the head of a deep dip, or goyle as we call it, upon the moor, which opened into a broad space in which stood two of those great stones still to be seen there, which were set by certain forgotten peoples in the days of old. The moon was shining bright upon the clearing, and there in the centre lay the unhappy maid where she had fallen, dead of fear and of fatigue. But it was not the sight of her body, nor yet was it that of the body of Hugo Baskerville lying near her which raised the hair upon the heads of these daredevil roisterers. It was that, standing over Hugo and clucking at his throat, there stood a foul thing, a great black beast, shaped like a hound yet larger than any hound that ever mortal eye has rested upon. Even as they looked, the thing tore the throat out of Hugo Baskerville, on which the former revellers shrieked with fear and rode for dear life across the moor. One, it is said, died that very night of what he had seen, and the other twain were but broken men for the rest of their days. Such is the tale of the coming of the Hound which is said to have plagued the family ever since. Nor can it be denied that many of the family have been unhappy in their deaths, which have been sudden, bloody, and mysterious. This from Hugo Baskerville to his sons, Roger and John, with instructions that they say nothing thereof to their sister Elizabeth. Well... Do you not find it interesting? To a collector of fairy tales. Dr. Mortimer drew a folded newspaper out of his pocket. Now, Mr. Holmes, we will give you something a little more recent. This is the Devon County Chronicle of May 14th of this year. It is a short account of the facts elicited at the death of Sir Charles Baskerville. My friend leaned a little forward, and his expression became intent. Our visitor readjusted his glasses and began. 
the recent sudden death of Sir Charles Baskerville, whose name has been mentioned as the probable Liberal candidate for Mid-Devon at the next election, has cast a gloom over the county. Sir Charles, as is well known, made large sums of money in South African speculation. Many large schemes of reconstruction and improvement have been interrupted by his death. The whole countryside has profited by his good fortune, and his generous donations to local and county charities have been frequently chronicled in these columns. There is no reason whatever to suspect foul play, and the inquest has done enough to dispose of those rumours to which local superstition has given rise. Dr. James Mortimer, the friend and medical attendant of the deceased, has given evidence that Sir Charles's death has for some time been impaired by some affection of the heart. On the 4th of May, Sir Charles had declared his intention of starting next day for London. That night, he went out as usual for his nocturnal walk down the yew alley at Baskerville Hall. He stood some little time at the gate which leads out onto the moor and smoked a cigar. Thereafter, he continued his perambulation to the end of the alley. He never returned. At twelve o'clock, the butler, Barrymore, became alarmed and proceeded down the alley. It was at the far end of it that Sir Charles's body was discovered. One fact which has not been explained is the statement of Barrymore that his master's footprints altered their character from the time that he passed the Moor Gate, and that he appeared from thence onward to have been walking upon his toes. A gypsy horse dealer on the Moor at the time declares that he heard cries and yet no signs of violence were to be discovered upon Sir Charles's person, and the coroner's jury returned a verdict in accordance with the medical evidence. Had the prosaic finding of the coroner not finally put an end to the romantic stories which have been whispered in connection with the affair, it might have been difficult to find a tenant for Baskerville Hall. Being himself childless, it is understood that Sir Charles Baskerville's next of kin is Mr. Henry Baskerville, the son of his younger brother. Dr. Mortimer refolded his paper and replaced it in his pocket. Those are the public facts, Mr. Holmes, in connection with the death of Sir Charles Baskerville. Then let me have the private ones. Within the last few months, it became plain to me that Sir Charles's nervous system was strained to the breaking point. He had taken this legend, which I have read you, exceedingly to heart. So much so that, although he would walk in his own grounds, nothing would induce him to go out upon the moor at night. The idea of some ghastly presence constantly haunted him, and on more than one occasion he's asked me whether I had on my medical journeys at night ever seen any strange creature or heard the baying of a hound. It was at my advice that Sir Charles was about to go to London. I thought that a few months among the distractions of town would send him back a new man. On the night of Sir Charles's death, Barrymore, the butler who made the discovery, sent Perkins, the groom, on horseback to me, and I reached Baskerville Hall within an hour of the event. Sir Charles lay on his face, his arms out, his fingers dug into the ground, and his features convulsed with some strong emotion, to such an extent that I could hardly have sworn to his identity. There was certainly no physical injury of any kind, but one false statement was made by Barrymore at the inquest. He said that there were no traces upon the ground round the body. He did not observe any. But I did, some little distance off, but fresh and clear. Footprints? Mr. Holmes, they were the footprints of a gigantic hound. I confess, at these words, a shudder passed through me. Holmes leaned forward in his excitement, and his eyes had the hard, dry glitter which shot from them when he was keenly interested. You saw this? As clearly as I see you. What sort of night was it? Damp and raw. But not actually raining? No. I understand that to reach the yew alley, one either has to come down it from the house or else to enter it by the moorgate? There is an exit through a summer house at the far end. Had Sir Charles reached this? 
No, uh, he lay about 50 yards from it. Now tell me, Dr. Mortimer, and this is important. The marks which you saw, were they on the same side of the path as the Moorgate? Yes, they were on the edge of the path, on the same side as the Moorgate. You interest me exceedingly. If I had only been there! It is evidently a case of extraordinary interest and one which presents immense opportunities to the scientific expert. Before the terrible event occurred, several people had seen a creature upon the moor which corresponds with this Baskerville demon. A huge creature, luminous, ghastly and spectral. I see that you have quite gone over to the supernaturalists. But what should I do with Sir Henry Baskerville who arrives at Waterloo Station in exactly one hour and a quarter? He being the heir. Henry is the last of the Baskervilles. Now, Mr. Holmes, what would you advise me to do with him? Put into plain words, the matter is this. In your opinion, there is a diabolical agency which makes Dartmoor an unsafe abode for a Baskerville. But surely, if your supernatural theory be correct, it could work the young man evil in London as easily as in Devonshire. A devil with merely local powers, like a parish vestry, would be too inconceivable a thing. You put the matter more flippantly, Mr. Holmes, than you would probably do if you were brought into personal contact with these things. I recommend, sir, that you take a cab, call off your spaniel, who is scratching at my front door, proceed to Waterloo to meet Sir Henry Baskerville, and then at ten o'clock tomorrow, Dr. Mortimer, I will be much obliged to you if you will call upon me here and bring Sir Henry Baskerville with you. I will do so, Mr. Holmes. He scribbled the appointment on his shirt cuff and hurried off in his strange, peering, absent-minded fashion. Holmes returned to his seat with that quiet look of inward satisfaction, which meant that he had a congenial task before him. I knew that seclusion and solitude were very necessary for my friend in those hours of intense mental concentration, during which he weighed every particle of evidence, constructed alternative theories, balanced one against the other, and made up his mind as to which points were essential and which immaterial. Mm -hmm.